We tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an offseason this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Browns fans and welcome into the Kevin Stefanski show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns radio network Nathan Zagura and the three-time 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 Super Bowl champion Gerard Cherry joining you and Gerard for the first time in over a month it's a happy show it is a show coming off of a victory 32 to 13 on national television Monday night football there were still things to clean up but you would certainly say this was the Browns most complete football game on both sides of the ball and they went out and absolutely dominated a Bengals team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl a year ago and that many people thought was the third best team in our conference. Well, the Browns took it to them. They certainly did, and it took eight games to get to this place in point in time, Nathan, but the beautiful thing about it is is that we did arrive. And now you have on film, most importantly for the players in that locker room, to have the confidence knowing that if you put it together, if you play complimentary football, if you mind your P's and your Q's and do the right things from a depth personnel standpoint, your blitz pickup standpoint, from what you have to do from a run gap fit standpoint, and do all the things that require you to play sound offense, defense, and special teams, you have the talent to not just win football games, but convincingly blow out good football teams. So that's what I took from what took place on Monday night. Yeah, let's just start with the defensive side of the ball. The Browns now go to 4-0 and against Joe Burrow. They go to 5-0 and in the last five against the Bengals, eight of the last nine. But five sacks for the second game against Joe Burrow, multiple takeaways for the second game against Joe Burrow. And for this Browns team, you have now held the Ravens run game under four yards a carry. You have held the, the Cincinnati Bengals passing game to 232 yards. Not a single receiver on the Bengals hit 50 yards. That's the second week in a row nobody's gotten to 50 50 yards against this defense. Gerard, this is what we thought this team was going to be. What has changed from your perspective? Well, the amazing thing, really, Nathan, is just you had a couple guys from a personal standpoint who weren't able to play, and it seems like the communication just got to a level where it's supposed to be in the National Football League, where, again, you had guys simply doing your job, aligning assignment. We talk about it so much. But also another thing that was there was the effort. Now, was it what Jamar Chase had to say? In the off season, did that galvanize the guys? I think it did, because Miles Garrett spoke about it and what it meant and that they felt disrespected. And that's why you don't provide bulletin board material for a football team, because you never know what could be the catalyst for getting someone to say, you know what, let's play to our ability. Heck, let's play above our ability, because on some instances last Monday, you had guys doing just that. 
Yeah, it was a great performance, and it starts with getting pressure on Joe Burrow. The five sacks I mentioned, Miles Garrett, your star, showing up big. He had one and a half sacks of his own, the tip that led to the early interception by A.J. Green as well. Did some nice downfield blocking on that one. But last year, you know, it was our nickel blitz that was effective. This year was the linebacker, Sione Takitaki, blitzes. He gets a sack, a strip, and a fumble that was recovered by Tommy Togiai. And then Deion Jones picking up one later in the game. What did you think of that scheme and the ability and the different looks that we use. Sometimes it was three down line with two mugging linebackers. Sometimes it was four defensive ends. Sometimes it was a one guy, three on one side, one on the other, and they do a huge twist and loop around. What did you think of what Joe Woods dialed up from his fronts and the pressure packages? I love the fact that he made it so multidimensional in that, as you just described, you had loops, you had situations where there were stunts taking place along with a very high-powered pass rush with Miles Garrett and company with four guys getting to the quarterback. So what did that do? That put the defense in the place where you always want to be, and that is to dictate to the offense how they're going to call their plays. So in essence, Joe Woods was in their playbook. Okay, I have Miles on the football field. They're going short with their routes from a passing standpoint because they were their unwillingness to commit to the run really tipped their hand. So when Miles is off the football field, Joe Woods is saying, okay, now they're going to go to intermediate and deeper routes. So what does he do? He calls a defense that will adjust to just that. So in essence, he was calling offense and defense for the fact that our pass rush was so great along with the stunts and just, again, giving Burrow so much to look at and so much to think about. And when you're under duress like that, Nathan – your mind is spinning. You don't know where to go with the football. Yeah. And when you think about that interception, obviously in his mind, he even said it. This is Joe Burrow word, not words, not mind. It reminded me of last season. He said that. And the interception changed everything. So just think about that. A play that took place in the first quarter had impact once again on the entirety of a football game. That is crazy. And that's a guy who came into this one the last two weeks, threw for almost 800 yards, six touchdowns, no picks. In fact, that was only his second interception since week three. He'd thrown 12 touchdowns with one pick during that span. And it, there's something to it. They're, they're in the head a little bit of the Cincinnati Bengals. I think you certainly could feel that. A couple things I wanted to ask you about on the defensive side of the ball as well. First of all, John Johnson the third got the green dot. He was calling the plays, which he did for the Rams. And I can tell you from talking to the guys, it was a noticeable difference in just the way he communicated, got everybody lined up, and it was something that I think was clearly apparent. We had it great with Anthony Walker early, and then it kind of went away, and now we got it with John Johnson. And, and that's and that's a very key situation right there. And you say, well, the guy's just saying the plays. It shouldn't be that important. It's extremely important. For example, on the offensive side of the ball, when a guy can look in the signal caller's eyes and know that he's for real and he's being clear in his communication and you sense and feel the confidence, that makes a world of difference. Now, when you have a young, inexperienced player doing that, sure. he's trying to figure out himself where he wants to be. So if he says a call with some semblance of trepidation, that can pose a problem. But when you have a guy like Blitzright 22F or something like that, I just made for coverage, and he says in a way in which his attitude and how he's barking out the calls – all that stuff fits into it. So, yes, that makes a world of a difference. And he had a heck of a football game. And one thing I didn't say yet, Nathan, that was some of the best tackling I've ever seen out of the Cleveland Browns. I think it's the best in the last decade. Going back to what you're saying about John Johnson, it's not only that. Isn't it also the ability to, to give the play and then know that, okay, you're the one player that maybe is going to have to read what's going on. Remember, if they do this, you do that. Right. You know, stuff like that. Because I know AWOC did that, mm -hmm. and I know John Johnson did a little bit of that in this game against the Bengals. Back to the tackling. Uh, Sione Takitaki, team high 13 tackles, zero missed tackles. MJ Emerson had nine. He was playing great. Our ability to turn those short passes and eliminate the yards after the catch exactly. was phenomenal, and I'm with you. That's the best tackling performance I think I've seen in a decade here with mm -hmm. this team. And, and with that, and why is this so important? 
Because when you're missing tackles, and we did plenty of that lead up to this oh my. four-game losing streak that we were in the midst of, you saw plenty of missed tackles. You saw plenty of missed run fits from a gaps integrity standpoint yep. and a force standpoint as well as containment. We saw all those things. You did not see hardly if any of that take place on Monday night. It was a it was a what you call a clinic tape where you play this, put this tape in. This is how we play Browns defense. This is how we play on a higher level. You saw all those things. And going back to Taki Taki, I also like the adjustment, Nathan, of him being in the middle of in the middle of the football field as a middle linebacker. I think the size that he brought to the table played a part in that as well because again, fifteen pound difference between he and JOK and Phillips makes a difference as far yeah. as when you're taking on a lineman. So Taki Taki may have found himself in a new spot as a middle linebacker because he looked phenomenal. That's something that I I had actually talked to him about that. I was like, I'd love to see that. He's always so assignment sound, and he's he's a tackler, and he knows how to pursue. He knows to take the right angles. He did that there also on that sack strip fumble, a great play by him. And I can tell you Deion Jones has already made a great impression mm-hmm. here. Calling him Debo. He's a leader. He's a veteran. He knows the deal. But I want to talk about our young guys on the outside, MJ Emerson yes. and Greg Newsom. And you've talked so many times about guys that want it, and there's no doubt both of these young men want it. But I want to relay this to you about Greg Newsom, and I talked a little bit about it during the game, was, you know, he, when I got there at about 5.15, he was on the field with the trainers mm-hmm. going through. He'd hurt his oblique in practice. He went out there, and it's clear he was in discomfort, but he was going to give it a go. And the plan at that time coming off the field was, all right, we're going to use him situationally when it, you know, really matters, mm-hmm. and we'll see how the pain tolerance is. He played every single snap. Right. Amen. And I asked him after the game, I said, you weren't supposed to play every single snap. He's like, I couldn't come off the field. Right. I needed to be out there. And I, I love that. I know you love that. Yeah, you have to love that because especially in this day and age, it's it's okay. The culture I grew up in and played in, it wasn't okay to come off the football field. You stay in there no matter what. You yep. literally had to be lame in order to to come off the football field. Sure. That's how it was, it was orchestrated. So but for him to do that, and then on top of that, say, you know what, I want whoever their top receiver is. I want all that smoke. I want the chance for to shut this guy down and go out there and send a message once again. And even after the game, they were still upset about what Chase had to say. And I love that. I want the angst on the football field. I don't want you jersey swapping and being best friends with the guy on the opposite team. I hate that. But with that being said, Newsom and what he did and what that represented from a toughness standpoint, that's going to put him in a position where you you respect his leadership. No doubt. And even though he's a young player, like this guy's sacrificing. This guy's putting in the work, and that matters. It matters. And how about MJ Emerson? I mean, what a gem the Browns found in the third round. He's been week sensational. Week, Nathan, every, every week. week. Every week he does something. Yep. And people are like, well, he uh, gives up plays. But here's the thing with him, and I say this all the time, and this applies to all our corners. Other than blown assignments, you rarely see our corners trailing someone by four or five yards. You rarely see that. Now, if it's a missed assignment, yes, you're going to see that. Sure. But that's not an issue of ability. That's the issue of just doing what you're supposed to do and not going rogue and making a mistake. But Emerson in particular, I go back to what he did first and foremost in the Ravens game. To have the presence of the mind as a rookie to say, okay, I'm responsible for this tight end on the boundary side, and this guy's not going anywhere. You know what? Why don't I just go in and make a play? And he made a huge play. Now let's go back to the fourth and what, fourth and fourth situation? Don't test MJ Emerson on fourth downs, man. Playing a trail neat to perfection in which, okay, you take away the inside. Now you're in a trail. So what do you do to be able to play the ball? You cannot look back because if you do that, it's going to be even greater separation. So you play the hands. And you see how, if you watch it, how calm. And this is what he's talking about having just presence about you. Yeah. Calmness of just pick, putting his hand out there and batting the ball down. And then with his run fits and then 
being a forced corner, being a contained corner, and one one hit, guy goes down. But being in the right space, I'm t- he is playing at such a high level. And unfortunately, it's going unnoticed by the by the I would say the nation national coverage. Sure. But here locally, we recognize and we oh, see yeah. it. He is playing amazingly. Oh, yeah, and they know it in this building. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's go over to the offensive side of the ball again. Pretty much flawless. Nick mm-hmm. Chubb, 23 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Kareem, 72 total yards. Uh, Amari, 131 and a touchdown. DPJ, four for 81. They were the passing game. DPJ has been over 50 yards now in five straight. Amari scored every home game. And then Jacoby Brissett, only five incompletions for the second straight week, 17 to 22, 278 a season high one touchdown and a quarterback rating of 133.7 and yes turnovers got to clean those up Amari on his pass he was trying to throw right. it away did not work out Jacoby's got to know against that cover zero blitz it's either got to come out or go down with right. the ball right. which is fine right. you, you can live punt the, live the play another down live the play another down but I mean, the level at which this offense is operating through eight games, stunning. And we saw it, I think, it almost to perfection. Yeah. Power, you wanted power. You got eight it. linemen, seven linemen. Didn't matter. And then you wanted to hit big plays down the field. You did that, too. All right, so the play in which we had the eight linemen yeah. and which you have Jacoby, brilliance. And why is it a brilliant play? You create a scenario where it's what we call a hat on a hat. And that's so important because now you're going to have Nick Chubb, who takes the ball from, from the being hiked to him, a one-on-one situation with either linebacker or D lineman, who do you think is going to win that matchup? Nick Chubb. Of course. He's one of the best in the business. So they have the presence of mind, and I love the story that you tell of how they even came up with the idea of Hudson being the guy who's going to be the motion man in the first place because he did that to perfection. It was an unbelievable block. It's one that people don't seek out highlights of blocks very often. That's worth seeking out. But, yeah, they saw he was being Michael Dunn and doing some of the motions because we saw Michael Dunn doing more tight end type motions this game without David Njoku. And they're like, man, he can move. Why don't we just run him like Trent Williams? And he annihilated a number 59 of the Bengals there. But I did like that. Right. You just get everybody in front of Nick Chubb, get him flowing to the right. He has to just put his foot in the ground, pick one hole, cut it, and he's going to get in the end zone. He did that. Just an awesome performance. And for Jacoby Brissett, you know, he's played well enough for our record to be significantly better than it is. It was nice to see him get this win. It really was. And the thing also that's encouraging, Nathan, and it should be a boost of confidence to Jacoby, is that if I told you he outplayed Justin Herbert, would you believe me? No. If I told you he outplayed Lamar Jackson, would you believe me? Probably not. And if I told you he definitely outplayed Joe Burrow, would you believe me? Most definitely not, especially off of Burrow coming off, what, a 400? He was the best quarterback in the league last week. And Since week three. Yeah. Jacoby outplayed those three guys I just named there, some other guys along the way as well. So what we've gotten from him, you're so right in your assessment of the situation, it's winning caliber football for what he's doing. It just needs to complement each other, and we finally saw on Monday it taking place with the offense, the defense, the special teams doing more to help the cause than hinder. No doubt. And the crazy thing is if you would have told me – that he would outplay Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Burrow significantly, really, right. in all three of those mm-hmm. games, that we would be one and two in those games, I would have said not wow. a chance. And that's the thing that's so frustrating, right. I think, for us about the way that this season has gone. But you got that win. What does that mean going into the bye week? How can you take the momentum that you got in that game into this bye week and keep it going when you come back from Miami? You take that feeling and you say to yourself, I want it again and again and again. Because you went through the week, and you have now with the bye week, you have an opportunity to actually breathe and think yep. about it. Because when the season's going on, you really don't have that. Because Tuesday, you're off. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you back on. And obviously, Sunday, you play. 
So when you have that bye week and you come off a huge win, one, it should be a confidence booster for you that, hey, this is what we're capable of doing. This as an individual is what I'm capable of doing if I play this way. And so you think about it. You let it resonate with you. And as you concentrate on it, as you meditate on what took place, you come back with the mindset of let's do some damage. Let's go out there and make it happen because we certainly have the ability to do that. And it has to be encouraging because that was a thorough beating down of the Bengals. No doubt about it. It was encouraging, and it was a lot of fun to see. Fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer. The first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here in Cleveland. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Joe Burrow said at that interception early, it rattled him. Let's talk to the man who gets a turnover basically every time he's on the field. Browns cornerback A.J. Green had that interception. He's up next for our exclusive interview when the Kevin Stefanski Show returns all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by the turnover machine. That's what he is. As soon as he gets on the field, the ball finds him. The last man on this roster to ever intercept Ben Roethlisberger, Browns cornerback A.J. Green. A.J., first of all, congratulations on the big win. How did that just feel for you guys? It's been a while. It's been a tough month to go out there and put on a performance like that. Um, thank you so much for having me. But, um, I mean, it felt good. Um, we know this was a must win. Um, every game is a must win, but we knew for sure without a doubt. We had to come out of this with a win at home on Monday night with our fans in there rocking. We had to get a win. So going into the week, you guys obviously had a great game plan prepared for Joe Burrow. You've had a lot of success against him now, 4-0 and against him. What was kind of the mindset defensively? What did you guys want to do, and how were you able to execute it? Um, we, we knew Joe Burrow was going to come out. Uh, he was going to sling it uh, regardless of who he had on the field. Um, Greg uh, was a great corner. Uh, we had a game plan where he was going to travel one. Um, MJ was going to be with 85, and I was going to uh, end up in the slot. But one went down, so we had to make some adjustments. But um, at the end of the day, it came down uh, to the X's and O's of stopping the deep ball, uh, stopping their playmakers, and uh, limiting them to success and letting our pass rushers do their work. Speaking of one of the pass rushers, Miles Garrett, we'll give him an assist on your interception there. What happened on that play? Um, on that play, uh, Joe Woods uh, made a great call uh, for corners, like a two to one read. End up man locked on one. Miles um, Garrett tipped the ball, uh, it tipped off T, and um, I, I didn't know which way it was going to hit. I just had to come up with the ball. And you did. You're a turnover machine. I talked about this all the time. Whenever you play, I feel like you get a turnover. Go back to Cincinnati. You come in last year. Boom, fumble, who picks it up? A.J. Green, interception of Roethlisberger, this one. Do you just have a knack for the ball? I mean, what is going on? Um, yes, I feel I always had a knack for the ball. Um, it's just kind of my energy, just kind of how it is when I go out there. Like, I got, I got to be a spark for this team. I got to make something happen. Um, PBUs are good, but whenever you can turn the ball over, uh, that's a plus. That's a, a, a bonus for the offense, giving them extra possessions. And that's just some Kevin Stefanski um, stresses, uh, takeaways, getting the ball back to our offense. All right, now I know that you were touched down there, but upon watching it, was everybody saying you should have taken that one to the house? 
Uh, yes, yes. Everybody, everybody was saying I, I should I should have taken it to the house. Um, I had Miles uh, blocking in front of me. It, it, it's rare when you get um, a lot of players blocking for you, and uh, I appreciate uh, the defense for blocking for me because it definitely was a lot of people blocking for me. So, yeah, I definitely should have took that one to the house. All right, when you go back and assess kind of the game overall, you know, going into it, you knew Denzel wasn't going to play. We knew Greg was a banged up, and we didn't know if he was going to play every snap, but the warrior he is, he went out there and did it anyway. Greedy came in sick under the weather, so you knew you were going to get some opportunities. You didn't know if it was going to be inside or outside. How were you prepared for that? Because as soon as you got on the field, an immediate impact. Yeah, um, that, that's actually very tough because um, going into the um, going into the week, um, I was all inside. I was studying heavy inside. Um, they wanted me to study heavy other slot, and then um, Greg went down. So um, during he didn't even practice. So I was the backup nigga. So I was going. Mostly inside and greedy. Um, he didn't uh, practice. Uh, he had an illness, so then I ended up going inside and outside. But going to the game, we didn't know if Greg was going to go yet. So, like, literally my main focus was on the slot, and we get to the game, and I'm playing all outside. So that was a, a bit of a different adjustment. But I kind of knew what they were going to do with the outside receiver by knowing what they were going to do with the inside receiver. And that's good, and that's the preparation you put in. That's the belief your coaches have in you. What did Coach Howard and Coach Lynch tell you after this one? Um, they, they just appreciated me uh, always staying ready. I'm um, always being ready, uh, accepting coaching, and um, just kind of being ready for my number uh, for when my numbers call. Because um, they know I'm going to go out there, step up to the plate. Um, not going to have any slack, and uh, going to play my best ball that I can. Did they tease you a little bit that maybe you could have had two picks in this one on that cover too? Yeah, yes, they most definitely did. And uh, yeah, I get to I, I tease myself because man, that that would have been big. Um, like I said, man, I. I really wish I'd have came up with that one, but um, it's on to the next one. That's right. On the next one, you got one that's good. Defensively, though, the last two weeks, you guys have put together pretty good performances against good offenses in Baltimore, this one against the Bengals. Has anything changed, or is it just a matter simply of guys are doing their jobs and, and all of a sudden things are kind of going our way? Um, I have to give like some kudos to uh, Joe Woods. Um, he's been call, uh, been calling a pretty good game. Uh, we, we've been going in with a pretty good game plan, um, a good mixture of things um, here and there. And then um, I would say like just everybody buying in, everybody been bought in. Some uh, also Stefanski is like 100% committed. So I feel like um, we're we're all bought in uh, and we're trending in the right direction. And um, Baltimore to this week uh, is just good stepping stones. No doubt. Great stepping stones. And you guys on the back end especially have really stepped up your play the last couple of weeks. You know, what was it like having John Johnson with the green dot out there this week? A change now to have him calling the plays. It felt like everybody was really on the same page in this one. Um, uh, it felt very good for uh, John Johnson to have the green dot. Uh, I know he did that in L.A., so that's something he's very accustomed to. And um, it just, just comes smooth and everything. Um, He's relaxed. He, he knows how to get the call out. He kind of understands Joe Woods a little more. So it's, it's always pretty good. All right. Is Greg Newsom your official PR agent? <laughs> I, I would say that um, we, we don't have any uh, contract agreements or anything like that. But under the table, I say he probably is my PR agent. <laughs> yeah, on the way in here, before I interviewed you, he's already like telling me what I got to talk to you about, all the things, all the messaging that we need to promote the AJ Green brand. But listen, we don't want you going anywhere else. So we got to keep you here with the Browns. Yes, most definitely. Um, it took a chance on me um, coming out the draft sign as an undrafted free agent. And um, I appreciate the opportunity here. Um, I, I love being here. And uh, like I said, I um, appreciate AB and Stefanski and just, just want to keep going for this uh, organization.
I remember asking you if you had a chip on your shoulder after we signed you as an undrafted free agent. You said, no, I have a boulder on my shoulder. You always knew you could play in this league. Every time you get on the field, you make plays. You're always ready, and it's just great to see you have the success whenever your number's called because it helps this football team. Yeah, most definitely. Um, coming out, like I said, yeah, it just wasn't a chip. It was a, it was a boulder because um, it's just like that thing, like, like, like why didn't they take me or why didn't this team? So it's just like just kind of just proving it to myself and uh, proving it to the people out there who, who's watching the game who might not know much of A.J. Green, but when I step on that field, they know uh, he's a complete baller. That's right. Look at number 38, A.J. Green. Thanks for the time. Congrats on the pick and uh, looking for more. Got you. Appreciate you. Nice talking to you. And we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Hey, this is Nick Chubb. Hey, this is Denzel Ward. This is David Njoku, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry with you. Folks, next time you head out to the Browns game, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. All right, Rod, we're going to do kind of a state of the Browns right now. We're going to start on the offense. And if I would have told you, Gerard that at the halfway point of this season, the Cleveland Browns, led by Jacoby Brissett, would be the number six total offense, averaging 385.8 yards per game, trailing only Buffalo, Kansas City, Philly, and then two surprises, Detroit and New Orleans, and that the Browns would be the number seven scoring offense in the NFL, actually tied for number six, scoring 25 points a game trailing only Kansas City playoffs Buffalo playoffs Philly undefeated Seattle looking like they're going to win that mm. NFC West which is wild and then the Ravens and the Falcons Falcons leading their division every team above us is either leading their division or is playoff bound playoff bound mm-hmm. you would have said what I would have said we must be somewhere around the range of six and two seven and one yeah. five and three for sure definitely not four and four or three and five because what was the biggest concern going into the season? How is this offense going to respond and perform with Jacoby Brissett under center? Right. Could it be enough? Exactly. And we found out that in most cases, in majority of games, it's been more than enough. More than enough, indeed. Uh, anybody other than Nick Chubb, the NFL's leading rusher, uh, he's got, you know, lean league in rushing, 10 touchdowns leads the league as well. Anybody else who you would throw your hat in for offensive MVP? I'll have to throw Coop's name in there. Granted, minus that interception that he threw, he has been phenomenal at the receiver position. He's just given us consistency that we've lacked in some cases and the ability to make right plays at the right time, and the hands are so trustworthy. When when have you seen him drop a pass? It's a rare occurrence. So his presence on the football field and what it represents as far as the Browns MVP, he could be in the conversation argument, but by a landslide it would be Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb, as I said, leading the league in rushing and in rushing touchdowns. Amari Cooper, by the way, 553 yards, tied for 10th in the league in receiving yards. And his five receiving touchdowns on the season, tied for fourth behind only Kelsey Diggs and Jamar Chase. He's tied with Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Mark Andrews, A.J. Brown, and Jalen Waddell. So Amari Cooper has been phenomenal. You know, the other name that you could say, certainly David Njoku, prior to his injury, was top five in the league among tight ends in both receptions. 
receptions mm-hmm. and receiving yards. He had been great for the Browns as well. Biggest surprise for you offensively through eight games? Oh, That's a heck of a question because I'm torn because the easy answer is Jacoby Brissett. Sure. I did not see this level of play, but I'm going to actually show the offensive line some love. Posick, did you see this? Did you see this dominating, dominating play that he's – Putting out there on a regular basis, and I'm, and I think it's starting to go noticed, not unnoticed now, oh, it's... by the national pundits that they're starting to see that. Hey, Callahan is a truth as a O line coach. We knew that already, but that guy who's playing center for the Browns, he is dominating at the point of attack. Ethan Posick is the number two graded center in the NFL, according to Pro Football so Focus. This stuff up. No, you are not making it up. He has been sensational. And then it helps right next to him. You have the number one guard in the NFL, Joel Batonio. Oh, Wyatt Teller, he is the number three guard. And how about this? Yelda Froholt he's in the top 10. is the number 20 guard uh, on the team. But still, that would mean you'd be yeah, like mean, a, he's balling, the though. best guard right, on a team. Right. And there's 32 <laughs> of them. So we got three guards in the top 20. Our center right in the middle is number two. Just incredible incredible and that line you're right now i thought james hudson was brilliant yes. early in the season a great without job. jack conklin uh biggest surprise for me would be probably i'd have to say there's two one mm-hmm. good one bad on the good side it's been the performance of donovan people's jones yes. just the consistency mm-hmm. 50 or more yards in six of the eight games he's really developed into a nice number two option for the Cleveland Browns. And I think that is something that you'd always hoped that's what he would become for you. And, and he has done that. And I think that is, that's been a pleasant surprise. On the maybe not so pleasant surprise list for me would be the lack of production at the wide receiver position by anybody not named Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples Jones. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something, you know, coming in the year, we had heard so much about Anthony Schwartz and the role that he would play for this football team. That has not materialized. He has not caught a pass since week one. David Bell, your third round pick, two catches last week over 25 yards. He's your third leading receiver amongst wide receivers. He has 100 yards in eight games. Hmm. Yeah, and that is problematic to say, at least and you want more production on those guys, especially with David being being down because he's been prolific sure. in how he's played tight end. But going to this one spot, biggest area for improvement in these final nine games, Nathan, I'd have to say we need better play from our left tackle. Jed Wills just has to figure out a way in which he doesn't have that timely holding penalty that stalls a drive. And you don't want to call a guy out in particular, but but each week it seems like he's getting hit with that. Now, to his credit, it's not four or five times a game, but it seems to be that, that one or two times a game in key situations where our margin for error is so low that it happens at the worst times it could possibly occur. So I would say just from a blocking standpoint, it's really not much I can harp on because you covered with the receivers. That's the other issue. And maybe getting more production out of someone other than Njoku at the tight end spot, getting Harrison more involved, and that would help the cause as well. Yeah, for Jed, it's just really kind of been an up-and-down season. He's had a stretch where he was really, really good, mm-hmm. and then he's had some games where he has struggled. And you mentioned the penalties. Amongst all tackles in the NFL, his six penalties are f- tied for the fifth most in the league. So, and they've been, they have been drive stallers, drive killers. Mm-hmm. They seem to come at very inopportune times. I would say, you know, getting more consistency out of Jed Wills, good. Somebody to emerge as a fourth option in the passing game behind Cooper and Ajoku and Donovan Peoples Jones. And then the biggest one for me is we got to stop turning the football over. Oh, no. Five straight games, we have turned the football over. Five straight games. 
We still have not lost when we have not right. turned the football over this year, but now we have turned it over in five straight games multiple times in two of the last three. We've got to take care of the football, Gerard. Right, you, we certainly do because that's one thing you cannot afford to be careless with. And think about the opponents we're about to play. You cannot give them extra opportunities on the football field. When you take on the Dolphins, the last thing you want to do is give Tariq Hill and Tua another crack at it by turning the football over. And obviously when we face the Bills, Allen will – take it up and down the football field, and the last thing you want to do once again is give them the momentum, give them the opportunities, because those touches and those opportunities are precious. And it's just really simply taking care of the football. Jacoby's issues, that's simply taking care of the football, not forcing things. But I did see something with Jacoby that encouraged me. That run that he had for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. It so reminded me of... The Chargers? Yes. The scramble? That, yeah. And there he should have ran it there too. Yes. But he opted for the pass, and I was so happy that he was definitive about it. No, I'm going to run this in because that's the better decision right there. Sometimes you simply can't pass it. You have the ability to scramble around and go off schedule, take advantage of it, use those legs, use that power, and score. So that was encouraging. And I think for him, that's another confidence builder as well. No doubt. All right, let's go to the defensive side. Miles Garrett, the number one graded player in the NFL at Pro Football Focus. I'll just leave it right that. He's obviously the defensive MVP through eight games. Who would be I you know where I'm going. Who would be your MVP if it was not Miles Garrett? Oh, it's MJ Emerson. I'm naming the rookie. I think he's been consistent. He's made huge plays throughout the course of the season, and he's where he needs to be. You rarely say to him, why aren't you in the right place for your run fits? Yes, does he give up passes? But when he gives up passes, he's this right is miraculous. There. In which they catch it, like the picking situation. That's a once-in-a-lifetime type of a catch. But like you just said, Nathan, he's right there, and his confidence doesn't wane. And he's out there being physical as well, making tackles, getting involved, doing the extra things, and just making timely plays. And we're talking about a rookie. So for me, it's MJ Emerson. He is the number 11 coverage corner in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, the top on our team, Greg Newsom, not far behind him. Uh, I would... It's funny, he only played so much, but I'm going to give it to Anthony Walker Jr. just because of how good he was when he was was there and how clear it was when he was not playing. I think hopefully we've turned the corner there, but right, that means that you're quite valuable there. Uh, Biggest surprise to you on the defense? I would say. And it could be good or bad, and that's probably my direction. Yeah, I would say the biggest surprise for me on the defense would have to be. The mistakes that we were making totally. early on with the, with this being our, what, third year in this yes. system? Uh-huh. So that definitely surprised And everybody me. back. Like right. everybody on the back right. seven is back. Right. So for us to get to week eight in order to start actually seeing this defense play the way it's capable of playing was, is, and has been surprising to me. Yeah, it took six weeks again, kind of like last year. Those last two games, I think, have been phenomenal. The Ravens game as well as this one. But, yeah, to me, it's just the breakdowns and the fact that here we are knowing that going – if we went back to 2021, over the final eight games of the year, if the Browns' offense scored exactly 20 points a game, just 2-0, we would have won the AFC North and gone to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We're scoring, what did I say, 25 a game? We're number seven in the league in scoring, tied for sixth. I would have just, it's the surprise to me is that our defense, that hasn't been good enough with the way that our defense has right. played. That shocked me. Uh, the big Sarah improvement, I think, is again, just keep it clean. Do your jobs out there. That's what we got to do. Uh, finally, special teams right now. Uh, kind of overall assessment, and has there been a bigger injury this year 
you know, certainly not for this group, but maybe even on the team, than losing Jakeem Grant, which is basically that's huge. And that's crushed our return game. In training camp, right, because yep. what we've found is that we're actually guys that do it by committee. And that's one of those situations, not like the running back room, where you want guys to do it by committee. You want to have one guy dedicated to getting the job done with the return game. And then you want to have your core special teams players who are starting to come along. But, again, you look at the issues from a blocking standpoint. Yep. Multiple weeks in which we've had a block kick. Yep. Or we're giving up a big return. So every week it seems to be something that's taking place on special teams that needs to be shored up and cleaned up. And you have to do that because that third phase is very important. You can lose football games if you don't play sound on special teams. We have. I think that you can absolutely link a couple of our losses this year directly to special team shortcomings. I'd say special teams played a huge role in the game against Baltimore and against the Chargers, two mm-hmm. games that we lost that we said our quarterback outplayed, right. you know, MVP-level performers. Uh, I think they've got to get it going for Kate. You know, just he's got to get that ball elevated a little more there, and I think he'll do that. He's clearly got the leg. I mean, right. the 55-yarder at the end of the first half last week was good from 100. It was just <laughs> a bomb right down the middle. All right, that's the state of the Browns. When we come back, we're going to go around the league, a very busy trade deadline not so much for the browns and if you're married you know the dangers of watching football without getting other important stuff done around the house first the same is true with gambling not paying your bills before you gamble can lead to real trouble so keep your priorities straight and get more tips like this at keep it fun ohio.com it's the kevin stefanski show on the university hospital's cleveland browns radio network hey this is kareem hunt hi browns fans this is head coach kevin stefanski this is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry inviting you to be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL by joining the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. All right, Gerard, the trade deadline. It was fun. Lots of deals happening at the trade deadline. Let's break down what happened earlier this week. The best deal, the biggest head scratcher, the best value trade. The Ravens got Roquan Smith, the linebacker from the Bears. The Bears got Chase Claypool from the Steelers for a second-round pick, their second-round pick. The Jags acquired Calvin Ridley from the Falcons for some future picks and potentially could change depending on what he does there, including if he signs a contract to stay with the Jags. The Dolphins acquired Bradley Chubb from the Broncos. Yuck. The Vikings acquired TJ Hawkinson from the Lions. And obviously going back a week ago, uh, Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco, where all he did in his first full game was throw a touchdown, catch a touchdown, and run for a touchdown, something that hadn't happened in the league since LaDainian Tomlinson Hmm. back in 2000. And five. All right. Which deal do you like the most or which couple deals jump out at you as being really, really good? Based on production, what's going to take place with having Christian McCaffrey in the same huddle with Kyle Shanahan, you got to love that, especially when they get Debo Samuels and kills on the full football field at the same time. Who are you going to stop? Who are you going to double team? Matchup mistakes will take place across the football field with those guys being out there. So you love what that represents. And then I also have to say smart move on the part of the Dolphins. If you're going to get to the playoffs, you have to go through the Bills. You're going to need someone to get after who? Josh Allen. That's what Bradley Chubb represents. So I think that was a very astute move and smart one on their part as well. You can also give some props to what the Ravens did as well in shoring up their defense because they're thinking the same thing too, that defense travels and wins championships. 
It most certainly does. I like that one. I'll tell you what. I think, you know, Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley was an elite player Certainly. when he last played, which was a long time ago. But for a team, you're not giving up a ton. If he ends up being good, I think the worst it gets to from their second tr- a future second, if they decide to sign him to a long-term contract, which means he was really good for right. you. What you want? You need a number one receiver for your young star quarterback right. in Trevor Lawrence. And so now you get Calvin Ridley. I like that move a lot. Chubb. To the Dolphins, they're going for it. I like that. That's fun. Roquan Smith to the Ravens, obviously, that's good. I thought the overpay for Chase Claypool was massive. I'm still trying to figure that out. But my theory on it, Nathan, deals with more of the idea that they're just enamored with Notre Dame players because that's basically Notre Dame's backyard, even though it's based in Indiana. But a majority of the fans in Chicago support him in that region of the country. That's the only thing I can do to rationalize it because he's been underproductive. So why would you make that a second-round draft pick? Think about that. For a guy who they were visibly shopping and said they didn't want part of their culture because they didn't like his antics. Right, and he was a distraction behind the scenes and, quite frankly, wasn't that productive on the field after his rookie season, and he's a big, vertical, contested catch guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, will he help Justin Fields? Yes. What I don't understand is maybe their need for immediate help. Like, you probably could have drafted a receiver (laughs) in the second round next year Mm -hmm. that would have been just as good as Chase Claypool, maybe even better, and had him for four years under contract as opposed to one and a half of Claypool. It was I think that was a strange move. This one kind of goes under the radar, TJ Hawkinson. Mm -hmm. This is a great move by the Vikings. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the Lions are getting rid of him. Obviously, they don't want to pay him what he's going to cost. But he's having a career year, and now he goes into a system where they get the ball to the tight end, very similar to our system. Jefferson, Thielen, Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook. The Vikings are legit. Exactly. And the part that really is a head scratch is why would you trade within your own division? In your division. That makes never that never yeah. makes sense to me. You have yep. a power team to be better than you. I don't get that, but it is what it is. It is you're right. It is a an interesting phenomenon as we've talked about very much so. But as you said, it is what it is. It'll be fun to see him. You know that's gonna matter to him when he plays them twice a year. All right. When we come back, final thoughts here, wrapping it up. It's the Kevin Stefanski show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Hey, this is Nick Tubb. Hey, this is Denzel Ward. This is David Najoku, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Next time you go to a Browns home game at First Energy Stadium, get in quicker on game days with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win Browns autographed merchandise. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. All right, Gerard. You get to address the football team, tell them what do you want to give them, the advice going into this bye week, and then they come out with a showdown against a very good Miami Dolphins team. Well, first of all, the NFL guys rewarded you with a middle-of-the-year bye. Yep. Couldn't ask for a better situation. You want it in weeks 7, 8, and 9. Best time to have it. With that being said, you do not want to put yourself in a situation in which you need a buy from the buy. And what do I mean by that is you don't want to wear yourself out partying. You don't want to wear yourself out going on long flights and trips around the world, though you have the means to do just that and tire yourself out. You're still in the midst of a football season. Yes. And you just showed on Monday night that you're a for real football team when you all are operating with this idea called complimentary football. So meditate on that. Think about that. Enjoy some of your time off. But by all means... Get some rest, because I've seen it before, Nathan, where you go on these bye weeks and you're partying like it's 1999 to quote Prince, 
And next thing you know, you have no gas left in the tank, and it takes you about three to four weeks to recover from the fact that you did so much during the bye week and you didn't take advantage of the opportunity to get some rest, to study more, and to still be a student of the game and a professional. How important is it to maintain your conditioning even extremely, in this week? Extremely. Can you lose it like yes, that fast in the middle of the season? You can lose it. You won't completely lose it because it will come right back to you, but you'll be rusty. You'll be fatigued. If you really think you can go four or five days without doing anything, now if you're hurt, that's one thing. But even then, elliptical machine, bike, you have to do something. And even from a mental standpoint, do not check out for five days. You have to stay in your playbook. You have to stay watching film. Here's actually an opportunity for you to get a jump. You can study yes. Tariq Hill and company for two weeks now if you're on defense and know everything he does from a route running standpoint and have such an advantage. So that's how you take advantage of the situation as opposed to seeing it as a time to do absolutely nothing. Well, listen, I, I had to be all for watching as much Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle as you can because Tyreek Hill right now is running away with the receiving yardage lead in the National Football League. All right, that will do it for us here tonight. want to thank you all for joining us, of course, for our producer, Meredith Kane, and executive producer, Jason Gibbs. For Gerard Cherry, I am Nathan Zagura, thanking you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network.